Welcome to the Don't Overthink This podcast, where we explore ideas without overthinking it. My name is Brian Heath. And I'm Ross Jackson. And this is episode two, where we're going to talk about a variety of topics. We'll kind of see where we go. As we did last time, we start with a general idea of things, and we sort of explore and see where we go. So last time, Ross, you were talking about that you had a lot more to say about quiet firing than you had to say about quiet quitting, even though you just had an article published about quiet uh, quitting. So I'm curious if if you still have a passion, a burning passion to talk about quiet firing and kind of what that means. Well, Brian, I do. I, I think quiet firing shows uh, one of the worst human tendencies around. So quiet quitting is an organic and authentic response to the despair that people feel at work, that they they feel there's no path forward, that their effort isn't uh, recognized, or that there isn't much hope in the future being better. So they focus on doing their job well, but not doing more, and then looking at alternative areas to find value and, and make happiness within their life. So then quiet firing came as a response to that, right? So it's, it's important to note that quiet firing came after quiet quitting and is obviously in response to that. And, and the response to me seems like, well, okay, you've hurt my feelings. So I'm going to do the same thing to you that you've done to me. So what is uh, quiet firing? Quiet firing is when managers stop investing in their employees, stop doing quote unquote extra. Uh, and they're like, okay, I'm just going to manage. I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to assess what you do, but I'm not going to do extra things like care and development uh, of the employee. So, you know, for, for one, it's, it's a pettiness where uh, somebody replies in the exact same way, but it, it's important to note that there are power asymmetries between managers and subordinates. So when subordinates basically do this, they're, they're doing something internal to themselves. By, by this very action, managers are actually doing this to people and they're doing it to people that are lower at a lower strata in the organization. So I, I think it's petty. I, I think that it is is basically a uh, response that is a response in kind due largely to hurt feelings and and sadly and this is the the part that i think is the kicker is that if most managers quiet fired would any employee know the difference so so um, organizationally and the reason why people don't like it is quiet quitting does have an organizational effect i i'm skeptical that uh, if if managers in mass decided to quiet fire, that the majority of employees could tell any difference whatsoever. So in addition to it being sort of petty, it, it is also sadly ineffective. So I, I think it, it's, it's a human response, but ultimately it's a very shallow and ineffective response. That's kind of where I was leading as well. Would anyone even notice that there being a difference? I was going to say, like, isn't that just like management in general today, the state of things <laughs> to just not invest in, at least in terms of maybe bad management uh, is just 
quite firing all around. Well, it's it, it's interesting, right? I mean, so it's it, it let's I mean let's assume a manager does the d- does these things that are caring and authentic and and real. You know, if they do quiet fire as a as a petty response to this, then that sort of suggests that it it wasn't authentic. It was just some shtick that they pull as part of being a manager. Um, and and if it is authentic, it would seem that if if they sense that their employees are are gravitating towards quiet quitting, that the authentic response to that would be to go closer to try to understand better to see what could be done, not to respond in kind. So to the degree that the the caring and the extra stuff is sincere, um, I think quiet firing is inconsistent with that sincerity. What do you think a good response would be from management for quiet quitting? as opposed to quiet firing, you sort of mentioned getting closer to them. But I think also some of the dynamic of the quiet quitting is organizational structure. As we kind of mentioned a little bit last time, that there's only so many roles you can climb up. You know, it's a pyramid and eventually it's, you can't go any higher. So how do you, how does a manager who's in that position where like this person cannot go any further, but now they're quiet quitting? What's the, what would be a good response you think? Well, I think I think the first response is the honest response. So I, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know the legal parameters on this. But but I think to the degree that one can be honest, I think that that's a good place to start. So the manager should pull the person aside and say, "Look, let me validate your assessment of the situation. You're probably not going to be promoted. You know that. I know that. And now we're admitting that that's." open. Uh, There's a range of salaries that this position that you're in is worth. You're already at the top of that salary. So unless there's sort of strata-wide inflation adjustments, you're not going to get more money. And in fact, with inflation, you're going to lose money over time, right? So let me first say your assessment of the situation is correct then I would say that there's an organizational need, right? So to be honest about the situation from from the standpoint of, in in addition to you understanding you're not going to be paid more, we need you to do more. We we need you to fill in the gaps between what technically you have to do and and what needs to be done in order to uh, be successful. So then the third state statement, I think, would be to ask the, the, the person, you know, what is it that, that we can do to make this better for you and, and make you more engaged? In, in a book, and I can't remember the authors, but it's called Getting to Yes. There's what's called negotiating and alternative currencies. And, and this sort of alternative currencies is, is not money, right? So it's what, what can we do within the organization to, to help spark your engagement? And some things, you know, people are motivated by status as, as much as they are money. So there are things that the organization can do to enhance the status of a position. They can align it more with the things that the person finds intrinsically rewarding. There's any number of things, but it, it would need to be personal and it would need to come from listening to the employee. I think the alternative negotiating is interesting, but I wonder what the response will be from individuals and how managers will react to it. I'm suspecting that a mature manager who's having this conversation, who's trying to be authentic and real, 
we'll have the right sort of appropriate tact and we'll have the right kind of relationship with that person to kind of have a better conversation. But I suspect there could be some tension there where the individual employee for whatever reason or the manager are just way off base and it will never get resolved. An employee may say, I just want money. I don't, I don't care about, you know, status because uh, money is the currency I use to buy things and you're not paying me more. So I'm going to reduce my workload. And I just think it creates an interesting, interesting conundrum when both parties are not being authentic to the reason why they're there, why that's happening in the situation. I think there's also some perspective on the employee of finding the right way to be honest about their quiet quitting as well and their assessment of it. What are your kind of thoughts on the employee side of like, should, should people communicate that they're quiet quitting or should people be? <laughs> no, they, sh they should not. Uh, people talk too much, right? Um, you, you know, people don't owe explanations to anybody for anything, right? We're not, we're not in a court of law. We're not required to levy a defense of our actions. You know, it, it's it's strategically disadvantageous for for somebody to declare uh, what they're doing and what their motives are. But there there is a human tendency to want to do it, and and certainly there's social social requirements for honesty and transparency that that people are indoctrinated with from a young age. Those are those indoctrinations are because it benefits those in power. It's not because it's desirable for the person that that is doing it. So so no, people shouldn't uh, people shouldn't broadcast. Hey, I'm I, starting today. I'm quiet quitting. So I'm doing the bare minimum, right? Uh, people, the, the managers who are paying attention will figure it out eventually. And if they're not paying attention and, and they don't figure it out, it's obviously not having too detrimental of an effect on the organization. But, but the people before they do engage in quiet quitting benefit from, from reflecting on what it is, why it is that they're, they're, they're not doing more. And, you know, I think people, I think everybody typically is happy and excited when they start a new job, no, no matter what the job is. There, there is the anticipation and the hope that it will make their life better. And, and in some ways it does, and in some ways it does very quickly. But over time, there, there is a, a grind, a, a fatigue that sets in of, of any job, no matter how great or no matter how ennobling it is. And people need to understand, you know, what, what portion of that is is based on the job and the work and how it's done and and what portion of it is is just based on being human so you know people benefit from from reflecting on that to understand you know a fundamental question is there anything the, the manager or organization could do short of giving you more money that that would enable you or inspire you to do more and if the answer to that is no that says something, right? So people should reflect on that. So we've talked about very human subjects of both the manager or the employee. What's the role of human resources in all this? Like what should their response be to quiet quitting, quiet firing? I view that ultimately the human resources sort of department is probably at the center point of an organizational response of what to do about it. And I know that we, in the last few weeks have written probably inadvertently with unintentionally about human resources one way or the other. So curious kind of how you think 
an organizational response from a human resources department, how that fits in? Well, so, so I will say human resources is an interesting department. It's certainly a suggestive name for the organization. I mean, it is in fact dehumanizing at the start to view humans as resources like land and capital. So, so the name is perhaps more revealing than it intends to be. Uh, but, but second, I think, especially to the degree, let, let's assume that there's a self-selection motivation and people that go into human resources are by and large humanists, that they care about people and uh, they care about the, the development of people and doing whatever they can to help them. Starting with that premise, once they become part of human resources, that, that position isn't an arbitrator. It's not somebody that is equally on the side of the employees and those that manage the organization. They're entirely beholden to the people that are in power of the organization. So human resources is, is not the fulcrum balance point between labor and management. It is the, the executor of managerial policy as it relates to the hiring, development, and, and employment of human resources. So having said that, um, I think human resources, by and large, is, is an administrative function that, that identifies, coordinates the hiring of, tracks the development of, and um, in cases of uh, disciplinary action administers the, the filing of official paperwork as it rates, relates to the discipline of, of a particular employee. Now, what I think is needed, um, I, I think that, that labor needs to have some representation of merit and effect in human resources, that, that there needs to be some some balance that, that articulates the, the needs and the desires of those that are actually working in the administration since human resources doesn't have the capacity to do it. My experience with human resources has been, I think, very similar, administrative. And I think for the most part, most people there want positive things for everybody. I think people go into human resources not expecting it maybe to be as administrative, but more about working with people and helping people. And then I think quickly it gets into a different realm and it can be maybe extremely negative at times or especially with firing people. And if you're a very human story oriented person and you have a lot of empathy for others, that can be a struggle for people in that field. I do think there's an opportunity to really think about human resources in a more human way. But I think it's if it's grouped within the organizational management science perspective of business, I think it's very hard. And I think your perspective on having a labor seat at the table, if that makes sense, is is, is that what you're saying? That there should yes, be and, someone and, there? And and not just a seat, but but a, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that it should be representative or or the person is is simply voicing dissent or concern. I, I think that the person has every right to contribute as much as anyone else to the, the future and direction of an organization. Uh, if, if, you, if it's functionally aligned and, and accounting and sales and, and logistics 
or have have us have a representative at the vice president level that is articulating well this is how this affects uh, logistics and and they get to sort of vote on what direction the company is 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 going i i think that having somebody from the labor perspective is is as valued as any of the functionals and oh by the way the the functional perspective also is influenced by people, right? So the, 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 the people who labor represents is, is not just everyone that doesn't fit into the, the bucket. It's, it's, it, it's a cross section of all of the things. So as, as somebody understands the labor perspective, it will nuance the perspective that comes from the functional perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be explored there in the future of organizations as people become aware of the downfall maybe of work or the ideals of work or the American dream of what work is, or maybe the ideology of work, that there's a interesting movement. I think that quiet quitting sort of represents a public consciousness awareness of this dynamic that maybe has been not thought of, at least in recent times. Has there been moments in time where this has been thought of multiple multiple ways of the dynamic between the the employer and the employee or is oh, this yeah this is i mean this is not accidental and it's it's not neglect you know th- this you know th- this isn't a novel idea people in germany or sweden would be well yeah of course of, of course you want to have this perspective in in the senior leader discussions and and decision making right so so what what in other countries would be a, a, an obvious thing that that you couldn't even envision doing this without this is within the United States currently um, something that is strategically and and by design omitted. It, it has it had been part of America's uh, approach, um, and and I would say that starting in the mid '70s when Ronald Reagan ran against Gerald Ford in in the Republican primary, leading for the president, uh, and then certainly in in '80 when when he won, um, there has been a significant push to omit and erase the legitimacy of having a labor perspective in uh, senior decisions. So it's not accidental, it's categorically by design. So this may seem like a, a hard pivot, but uh, one of the questions I got from our first podcast was a desire to understand more about us or about, and I'd like to spin that more towards less about us and more about why should you listen to anybody or anything we have to say? <laughs> <laughs> as, well, as two well, guys with a podcast just recording things so, so just to clarify do you mean why, why somebody should listen to anybody or why they should listen more particularly to us because my answer might be uh, different between those two things well let's start with us and then maybe that dovetails into anybody or maybe reverse whichever you feel yeah, so I, I would say let's let's start with the reverse. I can I can go with the general more easily than than the specific on this. So, uh, you know, for me, there's two reasons why, or three reasons why somebody might listen to somebody else. Uh, the the first is uh, it's just polite, right? So so somebody's going to talk. Thank to you, you, listeners, for politely listening to us. They, they <laughs> are. Um, it, it would be impolite to not listen to them. The second reason 
would be because you have the opportunity to gain something of that person's perspective, that, that they've lived something that perhaps you haven't. And, and ideally, it moves you forward or protects you from some negative effect that you, you by listening, you either get ahead or you avoid some sort of hardship. Uh, the, the last reason I think people should listen to somebody is that it's entertaining and a point of connection. Being human is, is to connect with other people. And, and by listening, you, you gain the opportunity to have the human connection. Uh, and, and like any skill, uh, being able to formulate a, a meaningful human connection is something that you develop through uh, experience. And listening to somebody is the way to form that human connection and to gain the experience so that you're better equipped to relate to people. I think that's very well said. So why do you think people should uh, listen to us? They obviously don't know us, but we might, so maybe we're slightly interesting, but I think we might have some unique perspectives that would provide some interest for why people should listen to us. Yeah, so I, I think that, uh, well, I'll say why they shouldn't listen to us. I, I don't think that we're going to go into the intricacies of analytic techniques uh, and, and discuss the derivation of uh, different algorithms and, and how those are most beneficially applied within certain contexts, right? So this, this isn't a, an analytic uh, skill development podcast, but we both have quite a bit of experience with applied analytics in an organizational sense. And that is a situation that has both unique requirements and also a, a great deal of latitude and flexibility in what one does. And, and I think that you and I, in addition to having the experience, ha have done quite a bit of time reflecting and trying to understand uh, what, what is the thing that is most beneficial to one's career? What is the thing that is the most beneficial to the organization? And what is the thing that is most beneficial to uh, the humanistic aspects of, of doing this? So I think for those that are interested in, in sort of uh, being analytically inclined within an organization and wants to understand how might to get promoted, how might to make a, an effect on the outputs of the organization or, or how to uh, deal with each other more authentically uh, would benefit from listening to us. I think the other thing I would just add on top of that is our perspective is really about analysis in a general terms. Not the not all analysis needs to be hard data and mathematics. I think there's a lot to be said to analyzing the human condition. And I think a lot of what we're trying and attempting to do is analyze the human condition in, in different ways, organizationally, as well as how you use data to help inform those un that understanding. And I think our perspective is that everyone's kind of doing analysis already. And we're just a few other folks who are doing it and maybe a little more deeper from a perspective of a lot of education, a lot of work experience on, on analyzing very complicated problems and saying, well, what if we started analyzing everything? and not overthinking it, but just sort of saying, this is what our perspective is from that angle. 
I think that's a hopefully a value add to a lot of and, and unique perspective for others to, to contemplate. And I think we're at the top of our time for today. So Dr. Jackson, thanks for all your thoughtful insights into work and any final ideas or questions you have to wrap things up. No, as always, it's a great pleasure, Dr. Heath, and I will talk to you in a fortnight. Yep, sounds great. And if you like this sort of analysis, we write every day, multiple times on our website, don'toverthinkthis.net. And feel free to join us there. And thanks everyone for joining.